morning again, everyone. So this morning, we're uh, wrapping up this whole series. We've had about, um, called Amazing Stories of, of Simple Obedience. There are many other passages from Scripture, other stories about obedience that are really are kind of startling, that we could spend many, many more weeks on this. But there's one point about obedience I think that we need to, uh, to not neglect to make sure we get to before we end. But I don't know if you've noticed this um, over the past several weeks as I've, I've stood up here before you. Um, something that's fairly obvious um, that, you know, fortunately, I guess kindly, none of you have, have, uh, have brought up to me. And I do appreciate your, uh, d- um, your discretion there. But um, I need a haircut. <laughs> um, pretty badly, actually. Um, usually, I, I, I get my, you know, keep my hair pretty short, and, and uh, usually I, I need to get a haircut. Usually, every you know four to, to six weeks or so. And, and I was just looking back over this last week, and the last time I had a haircut was actually like the end of August. Um, so it's been nearly yes. That's a, thank you for laughing, Christy. Um, she knows it's very strange for me. It's been almost three months now. Since I, I've had a haircut, um, I think it was just within the last uh, couple of weeks, uh, we were on Skype or FaceTime or something, I don't know, um, so that uh, the boys could talk to, to their, their cousins and talking to Christy's sister and her, and her husband and, and the girls and um, one evening. And I just happened to, to walk across in the, in the path of the camera there and... Uh, I forget if it was Jenny or Jeremy um, that called me a hippie. Uh, I said, like, whoa, your hair's getting long. They're not used to seeing me. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, it's, it's real extreme. But, but still, um, last time they saw me, it was, it was much shorter. And, and see, there's a really simple reason um, that I haven't gotten a haircut in so long. And that's because every day I've told myself, I need to go get a haircut tomorrow. Or maybe the next day. And in fact, today, my, right now, my intention, I've, I've even told myself today, I, I need to go get a haircut tomorrow. Um, but I've also thought, well, you know, actually, I've, I've already packed quite a bit into tomorrow. Maybe, maybe the next day, because I know I'm going to have a little, it's Tuesday, it's, it's my day off. And so I, that's, you know, I have a little more flexibility then. So maybe, maybe not tomorrow, maybe the day after that. I've been telling myself that for like six weeks now, at least, that I'm going to do something about this tomorrow or maybe the next day or as soon as I get a chance. Now, it's kind of a silly and small example, but I think it really typifies one of the greatest problems we have when it comes to actually obeying, actually following Jesus where he would lead us. And it's that idea that I'm going to do that. Someday. Well, I'm sorry, but someday doesn't exist. It doesn't. It's always out there as this nebulous thing, this idea. But someday is always out there in our minds somewhere. But it never actually gets here. Someday isn't a real thing. Today, well, that's a real thing. Right now, that's real. Someday's a fantasy. Someday never gets past your mind out into flesh and blood. The problem with someday is that 
rather than turning into today, it's much more likely to turn into what could have been. Someday doesn't turn into today. Someday turns into should have. And I forget where I heard this. I know I quoted it in a sermon probably a couple years ago, and I've heard it said back to me several times, which makes me think I really should find who to attribute this to. But this phrase that delayed obedience is immediate disobedience. I really need to find where I, I, I wrote down that phrase, but I didn't write down where I heard it, and I've been kicking myself ever since. But it's a really powerful, simple, true statement. Delayed obedience is immediate disobedience. Saying, I'm going to obey. I'm going to follow. I'm going to do this thing God has called me to do someday. Really isn't that much different than saying, no, God, I'm not going to do that now. It's really the same thing. It's much more comfortable. It's much nicer words. It's a much friendlier way of stating it that I'm not going to do that right now. Oh, but I will. But I can keep saying that forever and never be the obedient son. We can say that over and over again, not be the obedient child, the obedient son or daughter of God that we're supposed to be. Because you see, step one really matters. That initial saying, going from this is something I need to do to saying this is something that I'm doing. There's a world of difference between those two statements. A world of difference. And I'm pretty well convinced that the fundamental difference between those who make a difference in the kingdom and those who don't make a difference in the kingdom is step one. Is those who say, I'm going to go from will do to am doing. When you look at those initial hearers of, of follow me, and we, we read in our, our scripture readings here just a moment ago, the response of some of those first follow me hearers. When Jesus says, follow me, he says it to Simon and, and Andrew. He, he says it to James and John. A little bit later on, he says it to, to, to Levi, who also knows Matthew. And he says, follow me. And what do they do? They stop what they're doing and they follow them. Now that's a simple thing. That's simple obedience. Jesus says, do this, and so then I do it. But that's amazing that they were able to do that. I look at that, and I look at my own life. I look at the way we usually do things, and someone says, hey, you need to do this. And I think, okay, well, let me check my calendar. Let me see what's on my to-do list. Let me see when I can fit this in. Because I'm busy. I got stuff going on. There's some other people who heard follow me, and I know we've discussed more about the context of, of what they were saying fairly recently, so I don't want to go into it too deeply. But over in, in Luke chapter 9, starting in, in verse 59, he said to another man, this is Jesus, he said to another man, follow me, but he replied, Lord, let me first go and bury my father. Jesus said to him, let the dead bury their own dead, but you go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Still another said, I will follow you, Lord, but first let me go back and say goodbye to my family. 
Jesus replied, no one who puts a hand to the plow and looks back is fit for service in the kingdom of God. Now, like I said, recently we've looked at these passages and, and sort of looked at the, the cultural situations surrounding them and how sometimes that can seem a pretty harsh thing that Jesus is saying, but it makes a little more sense when we dig deeper into it, but I don't want to go into all the context of it. I want to look at the one real difference between those who dropped everything and went and those who said, well, let me do this first. And it's the question we need to ask ourselves, are we gonna, which category are we going to put ourselves in? Those who are here to look or those who are here to follow? Are you here this morning to look at Jesus? Not a bad idea. Not a bad thing to come and see. In fact, that was one of the first evangelistic cries was come and see. You know, can anything good come out of Nazareth? Well, just come and see. Come see this man. Come see this Jesus. That's not a bad thing. But am I here just to look? Am I window shopping at the gates of heaven? Am I here to see what Jesus is about? And then content to just stop there? Feeling like, oh, I've learned a little something. I know a little bit more about Jesus now. Isn't that nice? Another little bit of knowledge to file away. Another, another little something, a little factoid, a little bit of trivia that maybe will come up at a party somewhere. A little thing that I know. Or am I here to follow? There's a world of difference between those two things. We don't hear a thing about these other people. We don't even know what their names are. It's just some person who, when the call came to follow, they said, no, there's something else more important right now. Maybe it's a big thing that's important. Maybe it's wrapped up in all kinds of of cultural expectations. But the bottom line was, they were there to look, not to follow. I don't want to put myself in that category. There's a book that has had a lot of influence on me, and a lot of people, really, when it comes to, which really is such an awful name in some ways, this idea of personal productivity. Um, about getting done the things we need to get done. And the title of the book is, Hey, Getting Things Done. It's a pretty obvious title. I think I've mentioned it before several years ago. A book by David Allen. Um, and there's, there's a lot of good stuff in, in that book. And, and there's a lot of people that, you know, trying to, that have a lot of things that, that they need to get accomplished that are using some form of this system that, that David Allen lays out in this book. But there's a couple of big ideas that are really really fundamental to this system of of dealing with the things that you're responsible for. One of them is dealing with where you're going, looking at the big things that need to be accomplished. Those are your projects. But you see, a project isn't a thing that you do. A project is an outcome. A project is a direction. A project is what it looks like when success has happened, when you've completed your task. And you can spend all your time thinking about your projects um, and, and thinking about, oh, that's stuff that needs to happen. And it can very easily all be someday kind of stuff. Like, oh, that's stuff that needs to be a certain way or needs to get done a certain way. But far more important in the day-to-day than once you've figured out your projects, once you've figured out the things that need to happen, the things that need to be accomplished, the more important thing for you to think about when it's time to get to work is just the next action. There's a million things that you might need to do off in the future, but most of the time, when you need to really get things done, 
You need to know what your projects are, you need to know what your outcomes are, and you need to know the next action that's going to move you one step closer to that desired result. Now, you need that project view, and, and also in this book, talk about this, this larger life view, the big goals, the big direction in life you're going. Are these projects bringing you closer to what your life wants to be, or the way you want your life to look, the things that you want to accomplish? It's not all about just the actions. You need both. Because I know we've talked for the last few weeks about obedience and the, the importance of just simply obeying what God has called us to do, but we can't make a God of our own obedience either. We can't make a God of, look at all of these things I've done that are good. I was really challenged when I read recently and said that if we have, and I've been thinking about obedience and talking about obedience for weeks, and then I see this. If we have our eyes on obedience, we are looking at ourselves. If we have our eyes on love, we are lifting our heads and looking up. Obedience is important. Obedience matters. But not if that is our God. We can't obey for obedience sake. We can't obey so that we can say, look at all these things I've done, Lord. And as I'm saying that, I can't help but think of those that are going to stand before the throne of God and say, Lord, Lord, look at all these things we've done for you. And Jesus says, well, I didn't know you. I don't know you. I don't care what your resume is. I don't care what claims you can make about the things that you've done. Depart from me because I never knew you. We can only really take a step of obedience that matters if we know who we're following, if we know who we're obeying, if we have a purpose behind the things that we do. Really, I think that's the fundamental difference between religion and relationship. We can have a very intricate and well-oiled machine of religion. We can do the right things. We can say the right things. We can go through the right rituals and practices. I know and within the last several weeks in our, our downstairs Sunday morning class, we've been talking about Hosea. You know, one of, one of the, the, the things that God had to say against the people of Israel is that, like, you're going through the motions. You're doing all of this religious ritual. When you do deign to think about me and not these other gods you've been worshiping, when you come to me to worship me, you're just doing this stuff. But we have no relationship anymore. You are an adulterous people. You're worshiping these other gods, but you come back to me thinking, oh, if I just do these things in these certain ways, then everything's going to be good. Everything will be fine as long as I practice these things in the right ways. And God says to them, that's worthless to me if your heart is not with me. Every act of obedience, if we can find book, chapter, and verse for everything we do, if our heart is not with God, we are a disobedient and adulterous people. I don't care what our resume may say. I don't care what my list of things that I've done, that I've crossed off, the boxes that I've checked. And look at what I've done, God. If I haven't done those things, if I haven't performed those acts of obedience in service of following the Son of God, I haven't really obeyed. I've just done things that have made me feel good about what I've accomplished. I've worshipped myself and my own ability, my own goodness, my own righteousness, my self-righteousness. 
That's not obedience. Far more important than simply obeying and thinking about all the things we can do for God is keeping our eyes on God. When we hear Him say, follow me, we don't think about, okay, here, it's time to, time to get moving. Let me, let me think about all the things, all the plans I'm going to do, all the directions I'm going to go, that I'm going to do all these things for Jesus. That's not what those first disciples did. No, they dropped what they were doing and they followed. Now, they had their ups and downs and, and they weren't always perfect. We know that. They didn't always get it right. But they knew what direction they were headed They knew that they were walking towards the one who called them. So far more important than just the doing is first having our eyes firmly fixed on Jesus and then simply taking step one. Simply finding out, okay, what is the next thing that I need to do right now that will bring me closer to God? The next thing I can do right now that will be an act of obedience to Jesus. What's the next step that follows his steps? More often than not, that's the only thing that's really going to matter. I stumbled across this image as I was looking for slides for, for this week. Um, someday, code word for never. <laughs> I know we're guilty of this a lot. I know I was. But, you know, we tell ourselves, I just need to get some things worked out. I need to deal with some stuff in my life, and then then I'll come to Jesus. I just need to deal with some other things that are going on right now that have me really distracted and really busy. But once I get through that, well, then then I'll get serious about following Jesus. Now let's be honest about what we are saying, really saying, when we say that. And I say we because I've done it too, more often than I'd like to admit. We're really saying, I have what I need within myself to be good, to be holy, to be righteous, or at least to be good enough. I have within myself what I need so I can get my act together and then I can come to Jesus. Then I can be a disciple. Then I can really follow. That's stupid. (laughs) And I can say that without fear of offending anyone because I'm calling myself stupid because I've done it. To think that we would have within ourselves what we need I don't know where we get that idea, except for pride and arrogance. Because Jesus, he has what you need. And ultimately, he's the only thing that you really do need. So whatever is on your to-do list, the things that you feel like you've got to get dealt with, all the things that are between today and someday of really following, really being a disciple, whether it's for that first step of committing your life to Christ in baptism, taking on his death and new life. Or it's the, well, I'm in the kingdom, but I'm sitting here kind of up in the cheap seats. I'm kind of staying on the periphery. I'm kind of on the outside looking in. I mean, I'm, I'm on the inside, but, but I'm sort of standing in the door. 
Whatever is between you and someday. We need to remember that the only thing that can deal with all of those excuses, all of those barriers, is Christ himself. Great line from C.S. Lewis. As, as long as he doesn't convert it into action, it does not matter how much a man thinks about his repentance. It doesn't matter. You can think about your repentance. You can think about your obedience. You can think about all the things that you can do in the kingdom of God all day long, and they do not matter even a little bit if we don't convert it into action. Like I said before, someday doesn't exist. Today is the entire universe. It's all we've got. Right now is all that is in our experience, in our reality created by God. As we sit here in space and time, right now, that's all you've got. What are you going to do with it? All that actually matters is what do you do with today? If you need to do something different today than you did with yesterday. Or if maybe you're not even quite sure what you need to do with today, but you know you've got to do something. I can't claim to have all the answers for you. But I can claim to know the one who has your answer. If you have a someday that you're thinking of right now, I'd encourage you to turn it in to right now, if at all possible. And if there is any way that this church, that this family can surround you and help you to do that, to to turn your intended obedience into actual obedience, if there's anything we can do to help you with that, please come and let us know while we stand and while we sing.